Hey friends, this is part two of the conversation with Stephen and Annalisa Riley. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, you'll want to go back and start there to get some context. Hope you are encouraged by the continued conversation with Stephen and Annalisa. So do you guys do other like American church stuff, like expositional preaching, church discipline, church membership? Is that membership? American? That's not uh, American. You mean Baptist potluck. I definitely <laughs> do that. Uh, dolma? Just tons of dishes of dolma. Uh, we, you know what? It's so funny. We have a lot more curry, as I said, at our uh, potlucks than we do here in, in Portland. But man, it's, it's great. Um, but no, okay, serious. Uh, church membership. What did, what did you say? Church membership, church discipline. Yeah. Well, so tell us a little bit about the story of Hannah that you shared mm-hmm. uh, a couple days ago with us. Okay. All right. Um, so Hannah was someone, uh, a local Kurd that uh, became a believer and um, had been actually she joined membership before we arrived and a uh, very exciting testimony of conversion. Um, but then in the summer of 2022, uh, Hannah had some interpersonal conflict with believers in the church. Um, and she, uh, the way she chose to deal with that was by isolating herself and cutting everyone off. And so a number of us were kind of more privy to what was going on early on. And so we were reaching out to her and, um, and then, and then we just tried to follow Matthew 18. Uh, we had a number of individuals that had already gone to Hannah and then eventually, um, groups attempted to reach out. And then finally, um, the, after about six months of, of this cycle, we, we took it to the church and, uh, the elders brought it to the congregation at a congregational meeting. And then we spent a few more months as a church uh, trying to engage with her. And um, and so in December 2022, our church had to make a very difficult decision uh, with many tears as the church voted to um, uh, put, we said Hannah, Hannah, yeah, okay, <laughs> put Hannah under uh, church discipline. And so we, um, and so we removed her from the membership for the sins of unforgiveness and um, forsaking the gathering. And so uh, we really, honestly, it was very difficult for us, I think. Um, Hannah's a friend, and it was a very difficult time for us as well. But then uh, skip forward to February of 2023 before you you get there yeah how was that received um by the congregation um you know uh, church discipline is always difficult kind of regardless of the culture uh but i mean you can think back on even some of the difficult church discipline cases we've had here at henson um there's a lot of misunderstanding um yeah, I mean, did you have to, before that happened, was was there teaching that your church did on what church discipline is biblically? Uh, was David uh, teaching through that in, in the Sunday mornings, or, or did you have to meet with various groups because 
of the ways, you know, we had Tommy from South Africa on, uh, he's one of our supported workers and in some tribes in South Africa, they thought church discipline was literally spanking the people in front of the congregation. So I'm just wondering, like, it's, uh, it's so easy for something like church discipline to be, uh, misused, abused and misunderstood. So, so how did you guys get to that point where it sounded like you were able to make a decision together as a congregation uh-huh. for the love of, out of love for Hannah? Yeah. Well, so Hannah is not our first case of church discipline. And that's one thing to know, but, okay. but to back up what you said is right. I think the elders have taught very well. Uh, from the front. Um, and honestly, I find that in our gathering, it's often the Westerners that have the hardest time <laughs> with church discipline. Because uh, we don't like authority it, and it, accountability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And also we have like this, this hipster vibe that we think we can just, you know, disappear whenever we want and that should be okay with everyone. Right. Right. Um, where there's a lot of our brothers and sisters in the church that come from different contexts that are like, when you're not here, that's not okay. Hmm. Um, and and they, they just, I think it's just more recognized. So, you know, we had another case of church discipline a few years ago where, uh, it was the same thing. The brother was, um, taken through a many months process with lots of teaching from the elders uh, for forsaking the gathering. He was brought, uh, it was brought to the whole church. Uh, the whole church sought to intercede. And actually that step of Matthew 18 worked because on the day of the vote to excommunicate this brother, he showed up to the members meeting and publicly came to the front and uh, confessed his sin and asked for the church's forgiveness and wow, uh, that's so powerful. Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, if you followed his story for the next year and a half, it ends with him being nominated as an, a deacon in the church and, wow. and he's still serving in that role. Wow. So, so the church has, has lived through this before. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's often heartbreaking, um, when you have to do that, but the, the elders are doing a great job in leading in that. And we've seen the Lord be faithful to use his word, use his spirit to bring conviction and bring restoration. And and now continue the story of Hannah. You, well, I, I interrupted you. Oh, Annalise, do you want to share something? I remember pretty vividly the, uh, the members meeting and there were some questions. I don't. Uh, with Hannah. Well, there are questions from the members. Yeah. David, um, did do a good job. Um, lead pastor, David, lead lead, pastor. David Lawrence, yep. Yep. um, <clears throat> kind of subtly, probably, um, mentioning it in different ways in the sermons previous. Cause I know I noticed <laughs> and, uh, I was thinking that's related. Um, but the members meeting there were, um, I remember at least one voice advocating for the cultural differences um, that she has when it comes to um, being hurt and attempting for us to be more uh, merciful. Now, I don't remember David's response to that, but I know that many of us did view this situation probably differently, yet we I think overwhelmingly did trust, um, our elders. Um, it was a hard case because we do love her, but 
I think it also changed my mind <laughs> in many ways of how to love someone. It's not always what the easy or do make make their lives or their faith um, more more. Um, I, I don't know how to explain comfortable it. or like yeah, that let's, kind of let's uh, make them comfortable yeah. or let's make this go problem go away because we love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it um, sometimes hard love is is important in this case. Um, well, and, it, and it's an act of faith because ultimately yeah, we're, sure. we have to trust the process that God gave us. And, and, um, which I think was hard to do for a lot of people, but the members did, we we trusted the process, trusted the elders and, and then, yeah, so skip forward to February of 2023 and Hannah, um, shows up to the gathering and, um, you know, she actually invited us over that week to yeah. her house, and yeah. we for what purpose? Just for dinner, fellowship. But yeah. did she act like nothing had happened? A That's little correct. bit, yeah, uh-huh. a little bit. And and one of the members said to me, "It's like if my if a family member disappeared." He said, "If my dad disappeared for." six months and then just showed up and tried to pretend that he had not been gone for six months, that wouldn't be okay. Yeah. And so we were able to, I mean, we had to talk with her through that, Mm. you know, and her response initially was, well, that's not my culture to admit fault and to show weakness. And, you know, we just had to say, sister, that's not our culture either. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're calling you to something else that is uncomfortable for us too. this, you know, this is this is us being prepared for a new kingdom, uh, not one of this earth. And so, dying uh, to pride is transcultural. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. And so, um, that was a, it was it wasn't easy, and you know, restoration took time. Hmm. Um, it wasn't until probably the end of the summer of twenty twenty three. This sister had she she did the hard work though, like she. She went, uh, she made a list of people who she had ignored or cut off, uh, those who, um, both those that she had had conflict with, as well as those that, um, you know, she, yeah, I just, had just chosen to ignore or, uh, reject. And so she went person by person and I can still remember when we went to, uh, to Sammy park, the local park, and we sat down with her, uh, for a picnic and she asked for our forgiveness. And we were able to to talk with her, uh, and we were able to seek restoration, and and also we you know tried to model uh, humility too to ask for her forgiveness for any things that we had had done wrong. And hmm. it was a it was a, um, and she did that person by person with a lot of people, um, and and finally um, did that with the whole congregation by preparing a, a letter to the congregation, which was read in the members meeting. In this, at the end of the summer of 2023 and then we voted um at that meeting to restore her and it was uh I, I it was a very powerful thing for that sister to come in to our knowledge the first uh, local curd to ever go through the process of church discipline and then it was so powerful for all of those for whom this wasn't their culture to see that the end goal of church discipline which is restoration can happen Hmm. amen that's such that's so encouraging and how's hannah doing today 
She's doing great. She's yeah. part of our home group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's part of two home groups. Yeah, that's right. Okay. She's, she's very involved in the gatherings now. Taking, I, I, taking the Lord's Supper with the church. Taking yeah. the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And and even um, at, I was so encouraged. Oh, my goodness. Uh, one of the things that uh, we had noted about her behavior before church discipline was that she was very self-focused. And so even um, with her, her family, oftentimes just was uh, like her personal biological family would often like do the same kind of thing of cutting them off. Um, and at our last home group before we came back to the States, she asked us for prayer that this year would be a different year that she would seek to share the gospel with her family and that she would seek to um, serve them rather than have them serve her. Wow. Wow. No, I've seen actually a lot of changes and I'm thankful for that or growth, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, praise the Lord. I think it's his work though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're yeah, just trying to participate and be faithful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, I was, I wanted you guys to share some more stories about more other individuals, but uh, anything about what's difficult about living and ministering in Erbil that, that would be good for your church family to be aware of? What's hard about being there? Um, well, I think there's like the normal thing of, you know, you're living cross-culturally and, you know, for all of the the fun, new, exciting things, there's also hard things, um, you know, as you interact with neighbors who are coming from an Islamic uh, worldview. Um, there's also like hard practical things uh, that come along with living. So things like uh, the instability of the power grid or water supplies, um, uh, the, the, the heat, uh, those sorts of things that you don't necessarily think of on the front end. Um, but, but yeah, the, I'd say that the, the other main thing that's difficult is, yeah, just, yeah. The things of like being away from friends and family here can be uh, hard and difficult. Um, uh, Thankfully, the Lord has been kind to give us very good friendships there. Um, And so, um, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know if that really answers. There there are difficult things. Annalisa, what about for you? What I mean, it's it seems like you guys have your hands full. Your full time mom, wife, teacher. I mean, you know, church member. Does it feel like, you know, you guys have enough support? Well, I think Stephen brought up the physical difficulties. Uh, and I think there's also spiritual difficulties. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think they're so related. Mm-hmm. Um, and how is my attitude when the electricity went off? You know, and how is, you know, how am I able to process anger or frustration with a family member in my, when, when it's something physical, I mean, that's, it so bleeds into how you deal with it spiritually. And, um, I think there are so many differences with, um, how life is in many ways. Uh, but the locals there live that way or live the way we do. Uh, we, especially now we are living in a local, um, in a community. Um, we are connected with the similar struggles. There's a lot more empathy, I think. But I think spiritually, and Stephen um, does a good job, I think, taking care of our family in many ways. And I think we're in the word 
daily together to kind of try to build that uh, foundation even just each day um, that I think we can prepare for those battles, both physical and spiritual, by holding on to, I think, a foundation that's not going to move. And and it is an unstable region. Um, It is or is not? I think it is in in many ways. Yeah. Uh, And and so holding things loosely is super important. But like what do you, when you hold what's around you loosely, what do you hold tightly then? And I think Uh, you hold tightly onto the faith, your faith and your trust in God's plan and that he sees everything you're going through. Um, And he sees the good things and the bad things, Mm. which is honestly... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I, I like Annalise's answer better because I think that's right. Um, you know, there are certain denominations or churches or movements that like view Christians as like these these uh, Christians with superpowers that do special things. And the reality is, is like, no, we have the same we have the same pressure points as as any other Christian anywhere else in the world. And um, and you know, thinking through just day to day with family and uh, and trying to keep our house in order is often a struggle point. And then I think what you just brought up there at the end, actually for me is probably week to week. What is the most difficult thing, which is, is like, yeah. Okay. Generally speaking, Kurdistan is stable in, in that we, we trust that the government will uh, still be in power next month. And even a year from now, like we, we think that there's stability long-term. Now what's unstable is sometimes you build a playground and the local government shows up and bulldozes that playground. Why, why would they do that? Uh, to build a road. Well, oh, I see. Because a, someone who is more powerful now owned a lot and he wanted to build something else. So he was more powerful than the municipality who gave us permission I see. for that for that strip. Um, yeah. And so now we have to change our plans. But Or, or, or yeah, it can just be like, you know, getting a, all of a sudden a random call of, hey, come uh, into, yeah. I need you to come into the security office and who are you and tell us again your work and are you guys Christians? Okay, are you trying to be missionaries? And I mean, you know, there's just some hard stuff that we have to deal with. And, and oftentimes those things are unexpected and come at very terrible times. Sure. You know? Well, and I think like this is a little bit of a joke, but what, what fire are you trying to put out today? Yeah. I, I kind of, Stephen and I do process quite a bit because I have a lot of fun and fulfillment at my job, but that's only stable as, you know, as he, the project is stable. And then, you know, Stephen's having maybe the worst day at work. And so we just, we process kind of like, what fire did you put out today? And um, well, what fires and are then, burning? Yeah. Well, and then there's also the question of what's actually a fire, because oftentimes by the time it reaches the Stephen's getting a call to come into an office um, you have to determine, okay, is this really a fire? And when you say, I have to have this to you tomorrow, do you mean tomorrow or do you mean within the next two weeks? And just trying to determine what is a real fire oh, yeah, wisdom. is where wisdom. God has helped us by giving us like local employees that I'm able to bring to those meetings or share after the fact. And then they're able to say, no, what they mean is the next two mm-hmm. weeks, you're fine. We have a lot of supports that, I mean, honestly, we could not do this. Yeah, just to yeah that's that. right. <laughs> So you've referred to the relationships, the support that you guys have through the church, through local friends. What what else keeps or what what keeps you going in the midst of being away from 
from friends and family here in the States, the comforts and everything about being in your, your first culture, you know, your, your home culture, so to speak. What, what is it that keeps you guys going over there? Okay. Uh, I have Steven's answer. <laughs> Smuggled in Portland coffee. <laughs> that's <okay. laughs> no, that, I'm kidding. Let man. that be an encouragement to all who come and visit. What's, whole bean. Whole, whole bean. Whole bean. And what particular roast? You know, Anything's better than what they got. <laughs> no, <laughs> Just kidding. I'm really partial to the Ethiopian, Ethiopian and no. honey beans, but, uh, but we're not picky at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> So other than whole beans, <laughs> other than beans, what keeps you American. going? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, number one, uh, I would say it's that we, we get to ever so often take a step back and look at what the Lord is building with us. Um, and we get to be amazed at how far we've come hmm. and we get to actually dream. Um, so Kurdistan is a place where you can make things happen. Uh, sometimes it's more difficult than you imagine. But it's always more rewarding than you ever imagined in the beginning. And so um, getting to even just sit down at our kitchen table and talk about a school and then two years to be here, two years later, and, and we have 29 students and um, multiple teachers, um, that type of stuff is just so exciting. Um, and uh, and then, and then yeah, like as we're reporting back here, uh, getting... You know, yeah, responses. I yeah, responses. Like, you know, that. whenever the fables tell me. Oh, I was this thinking is, about yeah, yeah, this. What did the fables tell you? They give us like mini updates and we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so nice. Oh, about what's going on at Henson. Yeah. And you know, Doug's States. doing this. I'm yeah. doing this. Uh, uh-huh. You know, and, and, yeah. or, you know, our daughters just did, started doing that. Yeah. Yes. Those, cool. those little things where it's like, um, yeah, email it, responses are always. Stephen will read them to me, and it just reminds me we're not we're not doing this alone, and people, hmm. yeah, support and yeah, love us well. That's right. <sighs> yeah, yeah, because Henson, it's it's so funny now because Delphia, so Jonah spent a lot of those first years, like four years here in um, in Portland, and so when he talks about home, he's talking about this block, yeah, uh, around the church. And with Delphia, um, she spent more of her life in Erbil. And so home for her is only ever meant um, there mm-hmm. in, in Erbil. And so it's kind of interesting uh, to, yeah, we, we, we very much, I think our kids' experience is very much the way my brain thinks of home still. It's like, you know, I, I come from Southern Indiana, on least to San Diego. Portland is where life so much life happened for us children were born Mm -hmm. got degrees we went through cancer treatment we Mm -hmm. uh found out what it meant for a church to be a church and um and we got to think deeply about these things and we got to experience the love and compassion of christ through his people and so uh you know this is this is home for us And, and in so many ways the people here encourage us to keep going uh when we do have those difficult moments that's so encouraging. Any uh, any recent good news that you guys have received uh, there in Erbil um, that you want to highlight? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that people who have been following our updates for a while know is that we have in those relationships with the local government offices been seeking formal recognition for the church. So... Um, what would that mean? What, what 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 would that matter? Yeah, so it comes back to that category Annalisa had of stability, um, and so 
for us, there's always been this danger of though we are permitted to freely gather and though we have like all of our church documents and and our our membership in order and we we know who we are and to a degree the government knows who we are. There's never been this like uh, freedom to um, rent a like a space uh, or or build a space build a building or it's yeah give our pastors their commas or their residency cards through the church mm-hmm. or um, you know host events through the church and so it's all we've always used that integrated auxiliary of the mustard seed foundation to do so much work of the church and this was an exciting thing because we were able to kind of come in and say to the local government, they would say, you know, NGOs shouldn't be doing church work. And we would say, we completely agree with you. We think that the church should be doing church work. Can we be a church uh, in your eyes? And so um, that was so exciting to get to walk through that. Praise God. I I was going to also plug and say something I thought of is also Mike and Mary Alice are there right now. And I think one thing, I mean, No Shortcuts to Success, this book would also say this is sending someone that has skills is actually important. And Mm. someone that visits us, I mean, we have had so many, we've had visitors. Now we've had amazing visitors (laughs) and maybe that's on behalf of the elders here, but like Amanda Nate and um, yeah, the DeBoers, the Laurentis, obviously, Lisa, Christian, people who are coming to visit that are able to um, actually just take what we're doing and put some of it on their shoulders while they're there. And we didn't even, you know, ask for them to do that or, or we planned, I mean, obviously if I can else they planned something, but, um, doing a lot of that hard work. I mean, we get to sit back and watch. That's just something special. I know right now, Mike and Mary Alice are, they're meeting, um, doing some counseling with our staff there. And that's just such a special thing too. So that's good news. I don't know. <laughs> that is that's great um and mike and mary alice are not there because you guys are here it wasn't like okay when can we be away from the rileys yeah. they'll catch you guys yeah back they'll here. catch us yeah, oh that's right yeah we'll get the full review too i'm excited i'm sure anything that we didn't talk about that you guys wanted to to share about the last three years um you know uh i i i would I mean, we've covered a lot. I, I would just, I hope that the church here is encouraged by the work that Hinson is supporting um, in Erbil. As I think about, you know, we, a couple times here, we've talked about the modern moment in missions and just what a unique time this is. I mean, the tables that we get to sit at, we're talking through everything from globalization to the use of artificial intelligence in translation. And it is just a trippy time to be on the field and thinking through what the next 10 years is going to look like. And I don't think anyone actually really knows where, but, but it's, it's so exciting to see how um, the Lord is using these very globalized cities like Rubio to build his church and to bring exposure of the gospel to tribes and tongues that never would have had that before. Hmm. And where historically there was always this idea that um, we had to, you know, go to the far reaches into distant jungles. And and now the Lord's using everything from smartphones to universities to uh, bring a, a comprehension of the English language, to um, bring about work that is is 
enabling people to come uh, and be a part of a gathering where they hear the gospel. They get to come with us on uh, Fridays after church and sit in our home and we share a meal and then we uh, go around the circle and everyone that's attending the, the gathering in our home shares one thing from the service that they learned or that they have a question about. Could be a prayer or mm-hmm. something the pastor said or a song we sang mm-hmm. and we sing and, you know, we find through these just 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 this this interesting work that we get to do that people come to faith in Christ. Hmm. Like they hear the gospel hmm. and the spirit brings them to life. Amen. I, yeah, I'll just add on and just say the Lord's doing the work, not us. I think the hmm. the Rileys are a little they were just tiny people <laughs> and like I think we remember that. Yeah. And and we don't leave a vacuum because it's not really actually ever been about us or what we can do. I mean, yes, I mentioned skills are great, but I think Bo staff, the... uh, archery skills, nunchuck skills. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that because not just to quote the movie, but because Annalisa has all those, all skills. those skills. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Annalisa. No, I mean, I love likeness. I just think the Lord's doing what he's doing in the Middle East and we get to partner with him. Um, and try to support as well as we can the elders of our church and um, the ministry. They're doing really well to the congregation. And the and, ministry of the church, you know. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think that's exactly right. So the Lord, we're partnering with the Lord in this work. And I think when we first came to Henson, we had this view of missions of like, okay, Lord, what can we go do, for, you know? And, and, and rather, by the time we left Henson, it, the prayer was, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Where can we partner with you? Mm-hmm. And then just thinking through, you know, people often talk about the missionary call or were you called to the Kurds or were you called to this place or that? And I just really think sometimes that language can really confuse the the reality of what it means to be a Christian. Um, Matthew 28 is not a missionary call. It is a call to all Christians in all places to be about the business of making disciples, of baptizing people into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach all that Christ has commanded. And so, um, you know, I think Erbil is a great place for people who want to do that. Matthew 28 overseas in a different context, Erbil is a great place to be to do that. And we want people Mm -hmm. to think about how they could be partnering with God in that work. But if they're here in Portland and they feel that they're supposed to do Matthew 28 here, we want them to do that because we, we can't do what we do there unless people are doing Matthew 28 right here. Mm. That's a good final word. Um, Thank you guys. We are so encouraged by how the Lord is using you, uh, how he is encouraging us uh, by seeing your faithfulness, hearing about what the Lord is doing over there in Rebeal. So thank you guys for doing the trifecta of Stephen sharing on Sunday morning and then Sunday evening, sharing a little bit on Elisa on Sunday night and praying for you guys, but then doing this podcast. And we're so thankful of that in God's providence, you guys are able to be here with us over the next month or so. And we can't wait to wait to meet your uh, uh, your daughter, your new daughter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we thank, thank God for brother. you guys. So thank, thank you, you for this time. <laughs>